From Wall Street to Main Street, there are stories to be told. Where knowledge learned on the street is as powerful as knowledge learned on the streets. This is the Financial Recon Podcast, where we introduce you to the people, places, and things that have helped shape our environment and will help shape yours. Welcome to the conversation. Hey everyone, this is Mike Molotaris with the Financial Recon Podcast and welcome back. In our prior episode, we discussed experiences as a way to evaluate companies. But experiences, mainly what people are willing to shell out for them, are indicative of confidence. Consumer confidence. That has clearly been lacking in the past year, even though it has been improving ever so subtly. Ronald Reagan once said, A recession is when your neighbor loses their job. But depression is when you lose yours. The last year has been brutal on everyone, whether it be financially or emotionally. COVID-19 has landed its share of punches. Out of fear, governments shut things down and people curtailed their expenditures, resulting in numerous industries suffering. Eventually, some things clawed their way back to be open with limited capacities, others not. However, late last year, we were given the opportunity to dream again when Pfizer and BioNTech made their announcement of a vaccine, and we began to wonder again what life under a reopening world might look like. I, like many of you, have thought about the experiences I've missed the past year. Our annual Thanksgiving with family, traveling to the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting, and going to sporting events. Professional sports has always held a role in helping our society heal whether it be Mike Piazza's homer against the Braves shortly after 9-11, or the NFL playing their games the Sunday after JFK was assassinated. We all look at these as a benchmark to normalcy. Just as people had seen nursing home patients being able to visit and then hug their loved ones after a lengthy separation gave them hope, we experienced a similar event here in the Raleigh-Durham area. On March 4th, the Carolina Hurricanes played the first home game in front of fans. Like the warning siren the Kings infamously sound during the games, this caught everyone's attention. For us in the Triangle, it was a sign. A sign of normalcy, a sign of hope, of confidence. In this episode, we're joined by Mike Maniscalco, the play-by-play voice of the Carolina Hurricanes. Mike peels back the curtain as to what life was like for him and the team at the onset of COVID-19 now, and how he decided to let the moment play out during the broadcast on March 4th. Let's join the conversation. Mike, thanks a lot for joining us on Financial Recon Podcast. I just wanted to touch base here and kind of get into, you know, we've just had this big hockey game here in the Triangle where we first let fans back in. And it's it's symbolized so much more than just hockey. And it was a way for the community to kind of take that baby step towards normalcy and i guess let's let's kind of backtrack a little bit 2020 you know covid starts to break how'd you guys find out and what was the feeling like well that's it's it's a good question mike thanks for having me on on the podcast really happy to be here um so we were on the road when covid really broke last year uh last season i was the the in-game reporter and and pre-game show host and intermission host and we were on the road traveling. We had a, a long road trip and we were in Detroit. And if you remember, that is the infamous Rudy Gobert 
interview where he touched all the mics. That was in Detroit. Well, we were in Detroit right after the Utah Jazz were there. And uh, right. we, we stayed in the, the same hotel as the Jazz afterwards. And then it came out that, hey, Utah had two players test positive for COVID. And everybody is like, okay, what does this mean? And the funny thing is we really kind of found out about it um, a few games before we were on Long Island and there was this talk that Pittsburgh was going to shut down their game. All of a sudden access to the locker room has become nothing. You can't get in They're They're going to try to work out how they're going to bring players and, and coaches to everybody. So that was a, a weekend game on Long Island. So we, we got the first, taste of that that hey this is going on and things are starting to change but you know the buildings were still packed there was no you know mass shutdown of everything uh play the game in detroit and then we go to new jersey and we're gonna play the the devils it was a really weird road trip how we had to take it all the way around um so we're we're sitting there in, in new jersey and we're like okay we're gonna play and then all of a sudden nope everything shut down uh, guys in Detroit, Rudy Gobert uh, tested positive. Uh, people stayed, the two players who tested positive for Utah, of course, there were two people who were with our traveling party uh, who, who stayed in those rooms. They luckily were fine. Um, but we're sitting there and we're anticipating a game and then it shuts down and everything shuts down. And the next thing we know, uh, we're getting on a bus in the middle of the afternoon and we're going to the the flight to come back to Raleigh, and then we've got to figure everything out. So that's that's kind of how the world stopped for us, uh, going all the way back to you know February and in early March of, of last year. So uh, it was sudden. You know, we knew that things were going on. Uh, we knew that it was certainly happening in Europe and, and what was going through, and, and we knew that there would be a chance. You know, of course that. Things would be a little different over here. I don't think anybody expected it to get to the level that it did, but that's that's how we found out about it. And then, you know, in the sports world, you're dependent, Mike, on on people uh, constantly coming in and out of locker rooms and, and dealing with fans. And uh, the NHL and you know the NBA, Major League Baseball, all of the sports leagues, you know, had to devise a way to all right, how do we continue or how are we going to start? And uh, for us, it it ended abruptly, and then we were all you know, put on the, you know, you, you guys could have been exposed to this. Nobody really knew what was going on. We were all sent home and were told to stay in our house for, you know, seven to 10 days. Absolutely no, no contact with, uh, with people if we could avoid it. So that's how it started for us. And then we all just started waiting for normalcy. Like, you know, our, is, is this season going to finish or what happens with next year? And, and that's where we got to. It, to put it in perspective on my end, Disney actually had their annual shareholder meeting here in Raleigh last year. And we had Bob Iger and uh, Bob Chapek. That was, you know, Bob Chapek's first time, like really running the annual meeting. And they got up and, you know, the place was empty. I mean, you know, for a Disney meeting, you thought it'd be packed. And that was the first like signs here. It's like, wow. And I'll always remember, they said, we're leaving here and we're going straight to Disney World. And the next day, Disney World started their shutdown. Yeah. You know, so like it's like one of those moments, those historical moments you kind of remember, like where you were when things kind of came together in in, in an unfortunate way. Um, But now 2021 arrives and, um, 
you know, it seems like the leagues have gotten some protocols figured out. And what was the vibe of the team like starting this season? I think it was it was just relief to to actually have the season underway. And you know, if I could, Mike, I'll go back to you know the the league. They wanted to get a Stanley Cup winner. They wanted to crown a champion for the nineteen twenty right. season. They did not want to. Uh, go through that year and say, well, we, we didn't have it. And, uh, as, and I think, as you know, in, in your field, sometimes you always wait for somebody else to throw that, that test balloon out there to see, you know, mm-hmm. what are we going to do or how are we going to go? And when the NBA, and it's funny you mentioned Disney World, that's why it, 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 it rings right. for me. When the NBA goes, okay, we're going to basically build an NBA city in Orlando and yeah. we're going to, we're going to do that. Now the NHL started looking at, you know, what's the feasibility of doing two bubbles just for the playoffs? Like they, they weren't going to finish the regular season, but you know, can we, can we have two cities? Where would it happen? And, and I mean, we heard everything and it's funny because I think I can do revisionist history now and I don't have to be uh, held accountable for having all the facts right for this, <laughs> but I mean, they wanted to go to Vegas because of course Vegas has all the hotels and where T-Mobile Arena is, you literally with a couple of the hotels can just walk across the street and you could avoid contact with people as much as you can. But then you remember it's Vegas and, you know, they, while they, they, they shut down, they were still open a little bit. Uh, Raleigh was on, on the list of, of cities. I know Columbus was on this list. We kept hearing all of these places, where could it be? And then the big thing was with Canada. Well, if you go there, it's you're quarantined for 14 days. Well, you can't open up a training camp and then shut down for two weeks to, to play again. And Canada, I guess, made the exemption to, to put it in. So that's why they ended up in Toronto and Edmonton, and they went from there. Uh, and then the players went into the bubble and had that postseason and uh, the, the team here, I think, was happy to complete the season, at least get the chance to do it. But it was definitely weird. It wasn't what it was. So we're all sitting right. here waiting. Well, what happens now? And, you know, it's clear we're not going to get an October season because, you know, they just finished the Stanley Cup. That wouldn't be fair to Dallas and, and Tampa or even anybody else. So now you have to wait. You wait for the dates and you find out, OK, there's going to be maybe a January start. And I think that the players were just relieved because for them, it was a sense of normalcy. You know, everybody else was going back to do their jobs. You know, these guys haven't been home in October, November, December, you know, winter time since they were kids, right? You know, they've been yeah, there's a lot of them go to like USHL, like oh, the, yeah. all, all of the, they start all that junior stuff. And yeah, yeah, you had, you had, so you had all of these guys, um, you know, the, the good part for them and the players that I have talked to was, they had a chance to spend time with their family at a time of year, you know, especially guys with kids that they would have never had the opportunity, uh, at least not for, you know, for, for them for a long time. So uh, they kind of appreciated that, but they wanted to know when were they going to get back to just playing hockey, you know, get back into their routine. And right. then the, the schedule gets announced and a few things get moved around here and there. Because, uh, you know, one of the early things was, well, they want to start on January 1st and, and go from here. But, you know, they get that mid-January start and they're off and running. So that was important. It was important to get the, the schedule going. But now, instead of being in a bubble where they expected nobody to be there, now you're playing in your home building or you're playing in Nashville or you're playing in Chicago, places where you're expecting fans to be there and pack in they said it was different. It was way different than the bubble experience. You know, yeah, we got used to not playing in front of people, but it's different when you go into buildings where you're used to it and right. it's not there. So uh, it, it was, I think, a sense of relief 
that they could play and get that part of normalcy of their life back, you know, get into the routine of being players and same thing for the coaches and everybody else. But now there's all these protocols, you know, I'm, I'm not allowed anywhere near the team. You know, we get badges that are color coded that this is, you know, I, I'm only allowed to at the arena. I'm only allowed to, to, you know, I get access to three levels, which, you know, that's great, but you know, I don't have the highest security clearance. I'm thinking of Dwight Schrute in the office. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you've been granted level th- three. Don't get excited. That's a, 99. <laughs> exactly. So, um, but you know, they had to put all these protocols in place and, and while it's, it's a step closer to getting back to where we were, you know, you didn't have to get swabbed every day, you know, or every other day, the way that the players are to make sure that you don't have COVID. I, you know, I'm used to going into the locker room and talking to the players or the coaches, and now you've got to do everything on zoom. So I've gotten really sick of the, the phrases. And I don't know about you, Mike, but an abundance of caution in the new normal. You know, I, I understand we always have to use buzz. Well, let me let me tell you, but... new normal has been floating in the financial industry <laughs> since 2008. <laughs> so Bill Gross coined that, and yes, I am way past. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can imagine. But yeah, that's that's where we were at. But to to get to the the steps of at least to get back and be playing, I think everybody was excited for that, and um, that's that's where we were leading up to. Now, you know, when you start to see things opening up a little bit, when you start to see that uh, people are getting vaccinated and that, you know, for uh, I know that that would be a different show. But for me, that's a big thing to to know that there's something out oh, there that can, that can, you know, if this can stop this spread or if it can stop this or that. And, and I'm not playing doctor on this, this, I promise. But <laughs> if it's it's if it's something that can get us to, OK more people are more comfortable to go out to eat or to go to these events or feel safer to go to these. All right, I'm for it. Let's go. Let's, let's get it happening. And then we're starting to see that. And, right. you know, some States is, as you know, States are allowed to govern themselves how they see fit. So there have been places like Dallas had fans, uh, Florida and Tampa had fans, um, minimal uh, amounts, you know, Tampa had fewer in the building than what Florida did, even though they're in the same state. Uh, Dallas, I think had about 4,000 fans in there. But you were starting to – some places were starting to let people back in, and now you start looking around. And um, it's it's funny for me. I, I hate to go like, well, New York State is usually the leader. You know, if, if they're opening things up, then, okay, other people look at it. But when it was announced, like, all right, well, fans are going to be back at Madison Square Garden, and right. fans are going to be allowed back in, in Long Island. I think that was – everybody else around the league's like, all right, well, if New York city is letting people into the building, we have to take a, a look and make sure that, you know, are we at a point where we could do that? And I think that North Carolina did that. And then getting fans back in the building this weekend, that was the first, even though it's only 15% and it works out to be 29, 24. So 2,924 people were in the building. It felt it felt more like a hockey game than any of the ones that had been in there previously till fans were admitted to it. So uh, it, it was good. And it, it was good to hear the fans cheer and, and have that back instead of canned noise, which, <laughs> you know, you, you, you're trying to simulate, but I mean, you know, it's wrong, yeah. man. It's, it's, it's that buzzing sound. Right? Exactly. Exactly. It's like you said, you got to walk that line, right? Because 
you don't want to push it. But like you said, the vaccines have testing protocols have gained and instilled confidence. And even just this morning, as we're speaking, you know, they were on CNBC talking about this, uh, the, this new rapid one that you'll be able to do at home, that it's like a little simple swab, put it in a thing. It connects to your phone and gives you a test result. And you got to think like every day that passes, there's another brick in that wall of confidence or that foundation that's going to lead to more people being able to, to attend these games and so forth. So I know you kind of touched on it a little bit. How did the players react to having fans the first game in Raleigh? Oh, I mean, I think you could see with how they played. Uh, there was a little bit more energy for them. There's a little bit more, um, you know, I, I hate to go with the electricities there, but it, it was yeah. like, you know, they, they all admitted it and, you know, they, they played the Detroit Red Wings and uh, it, it's kind of funny. The, the last <laughs> game that they played in front of fans, um, the, even though it was in Detroit, the first game they played in front of fans here at PNC arena was Detroit. So they all admitted it. And, you know, if you listen to their post game, they talked about it. And then, uh, for the other night, as the Canes are coming off of a, a huge win over the Florida Panthers, their second game in front of fans, Sebastian Ajo uh, is the the interview after the game, the first star. And he talked mm-hmm. about how important it is to play in front of people. And, and his line is, you know, we we do this because we love to play in front of, of, of packed buildings and in front of you, the fans, because, you know, the players, the funniest thing about it is if you ask players depending on how things are going like can you hear the fans or do you not hear the fans I think what got put in perspective for the players was playing without them which is when you're on the ice and I think this is true of any sport uh I know you you and I are big baseball guys so I'll I'll go with the Kevin Costner great no not field of dreams no uh not going with Bull Durham but for love of the game when he does the clear when he does the clear the mechanism and he blocks out everything. I think that when athletes, the the best athletes, when they're in the moment, the noise around them is, is nothing. It's, it's literally white noise. Like it's Mm -hmm. not, they can hear everything. So the players have said that when they're on the ice, you know, I, you don't really hear the crowd unless something happens, like unless a goal is scored, unless there's a fight, but they all said on the bench is when it's weird. And when there's nothing, when you can hear nothing, that's when you're like, are we playing a game? Is this, you know, is this real life? So that's where having the live fans back in, into the building made a huge difference. And they they even said it uh, in the Detroit game. There was a moment the Canes penalty killers came up with a big kill. And, you know, you can have the word, you know, the whirring crowd noise coming in, and whatever. <laughs> you know, the electric racetracks when we were kids, noise. Oh yeah. Uh, and the Canes had a big kill, and you know, it seemed like a little momentum could be going Detroit's way. And the crowd that was there started chanting, "Let's go, Canes!" And the guys on the bench said, "We noticed that. That gave us a jolt. That okay, tap me to go over the boards. I'm ready to play." Nice. And I, I think that's the, I think that's the thing. And, and these, this group of athletes, and I think it would be, and it will be in every sport, is going to appreciate those moments maybe more than they ever have because 
you know, without getting cliche, you don't realize what something can do for you until it's taken away. And, right. and now that uh, it's back in the building, it, it is more normal. It, it truly is more normal and there's more of a feel to it. Um, you know, for me, I don't want to get too sappy about it, but um, the Canes beat Detroit in that first game with the fans back and there's 10 seconds left. And, and luckily for me, uh, in the play-by-play role, it was a comfortable lead. And I could just step back and say, all right, we're going to let the fans. They waited basically a year for this moment. We'll let the fans take this. Right, for right. You. And you, you, just to, to for me to have the ability to let crowd noise be part of, of the broadcast, like real crowd noise, uh, it's, it's we all appreciate it a lot more than I think we ever have. Well, and you know, it's it's funny, right? Matt Suter actually commented on that. Like, Matt is the communications uh, guy, I believe, at the Canes, right? Yeah, he's um, he's uh, part of social media. Basically, yeah, every tweet that's, that's right. out there, uh, every tweet that's out there uh, on planet Earth, not just the Carolina Hurricanes, but mine and, and Mike's. Uh, if you if we tweet something you don't like, just send it to Matt Suter and complain <laughs> to him. That's what I like. Well, well, we you know we know Matt from his uh, <laughs> days at the Durham Bulls, and uh, you know I, I thought it was just a, a appropriate that he said you know like um, that you he noticed that you just let it play out and you let the crowd take over. You know sometimes we just want to fill. You know in that moment, what's going through your head? For me, it was I have been fortunate enough to get back and, and do my job uh, going back into the, the bubble for the playoffs, even though I wasn't up in Toronto, but I was allowed to, you know, get up and have a routine and, and mm-hmm. go to work and, and have that sense of normalcy. And then when fans were back in the building, um, it, it was big. It was big for all of us because it, it, it felt like opening night, Mike. It, it felt like there was a tangible energy in the building. And I am not one of these, and I've said this a lot. I am not a new age person where, Oh, there's this karma that you can feel. <laughs> I'm, I'm not that, that guy, but walking into the arena, uh, when, when the Canes had their fans back in, it, there was a different feeling and it was a different feeling for the security guards, for the ops people, and clearly for the players and the broadcasters and the coaches. So it, it's, for me, like I said, I noticed the Let's Go Chains, the Let's Go Canes chant. Uh, I noticed just little moments um, where when there wasn't the, the people in the building where something happened and you did hear the cheers. So for me, I'm like, this is about them. This this game is about these Canes fans who got in. Uh, it's for the Canes fans who want to be there and were watching at home and, and would have been screaming their face off if they were at the game for the first time. Uh, to cheer the the team on for that win. So my moment, you know, my thought process in that moment is this is them. This is all about them. This is for them. So let them be the ones who, you know, carry that emotion to the end of the game just so they can have that sense of relief to be in the building, see the scoreboard go to zero. Their team wins. They can cheer. So that's their moment. I, there's There's no words that I possess that could have captured that better and the noise and the sound and the cheering that they were going to make uh, for that moment. And it, it kind of, you know, it wasn't something that I planned. I didn't go into the game going, well, you know, if the Canes are going to win, I'm going to lay out for the last 10 <laughs> seconds. Uh, it, it, it just, it just materialized that way. Uh, and it's great. And uh, I, I can't wait. Now I hate to say this when we get a full building again, 
uh, I can't wait to let the crowd take that game home uh, because it, it's awesome. it's about them. It, it really is. It, it makes a difference. And uh, if I could, I know you got another question, but yeah, think oh, back no. to yeah. in, in the sports world, Mike, think back to all the moments where the fans, you know, make the impact of a moment. And the one that I go back to, and it, it just hit me while we're talking is what if Cal Ripken broke Lou Gehrig's record and there were no fans in the stands? The, the right. thing, the thing that's iconic for that, for me, uh, and there's, you know, kind of like a, a joke, a little inside baseball, literally. Uh, but the thing, the thing that makes that moment iconic for me is Cal Ripken takes a lap around Camden Yards and shakes the hands of the fans, like everybody like that. Right. That, I mean, you still get goosebumps when you think of that. So there's that connection. But if you remember, and here's the inside baseball, Chris Berman was calling the game for ESPN. And Chris Berman just went quiet and let the moment happen between Cal and the fans and the people at home. And, uh, you know, like I said, the inside baseball, it was while Berman actually laid out <laughs> for that. Amount. And Chris is a fantastic human being, as we know. Uh, but, like, that was in, in – it's, it's funny because, like, talking about this when, you know, you said – Hey, you know, what, why did you know, or what was that moment? Like, uh, it, it just kind of hit me. I'm like, well, what would have happened? You know, we would have been robbed of one of the greatest moments in at least baseball history for an interaction with an athlete and the fans yeah. and that connection. And, you know, that's why I know that, that you get into finance here. That's why when games like that happen, there's such a demand for those tickets that people want to be there. They want to witness history. They want to be in front of it. And, well, and Cal uh, was from the area, too. Yeah. We have a lot of listeners who are from the Baltimore area, so they know Cal, you know, growing up in Aberdeen. And, yeah. you know, he he was one of theirs. And to your point, you know, it's, it's funny because I'm going to bring this to a Yankee story, which as a Mets fan pains me immensely. <laughs> hey, but, you, you, have, you have a choice, and you choose to cheer for the Mets. That's all I'm going to say. I, uh, that's, that's a fact. Um, <laughs> the, but we have hope. We have hope this year, as always. That's, there's always the beginning of the season. Hey, hey um, you got you got to believe. Yes. We, that's for you. You know, and the funny thing is I actually got to shake Tim McGraw's hand and say that to him. And that, and he gave me, you know, a wink and a smile. And I was like, oh, yeah, Tom McGraw, baby. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I showed my son yesterday. We were talking about entrance music and, you know, experience. Like, when do you let things go quiet? And it's just the moment takes over. And I showed him the clip of Mariano when he came into the game and they used to play Enter Sandman. And I was like, that's one of those moments just takes over you know you know the the funny thing about that uh being the the big yankee fan that i am <laughs> um I, i've i've seen the yankees play probably a hundred times maybe more than that in my life uh for somebody who didn't live in new york city you know i've gotten a chance to see them a lot uh and sorry for the oriole fans listening uh but they'll know <laughs> during a lot of those years i saw them at what used to be dubbed yankee stadium south which was camden yards uh, so when well, the Rivera, Red Sox fans do the oh, same yeah, thing same there. So when Rivera <laughs> would come out of the pen, it, they weren't going to play Enter Sandman there. So the few times I'd see him play in New York, like he wouldn't get a chance to close. Um, I think I, I saw him close one regular season game at Yankee Stadium, but I got to go to the All Star game in 2009. 
Uh, and I got to go with my dad, uh, which is an even cooler moment. Nice. And Rivera, Rivera comes into the game. Now, it's an all-star game. And I'm thinking, you know, how loud is the crowd going to be? But it's Mo. Well, there are a lot of Yankee fans in that building. And the gate opens up, and out comes Mariano Rivera to enter Sandman. And that place just goes wild. It goes bonkers. And it's because of the fans. Like the the first couple of chords, you know, of, of the guitar start keying in. They know it's going to be Mo, and people go go absolutely, you know, if there was a roof, they would have been bouncing off of it. Um, so, yeah, those those are – those are our moments that you you take into account. And I think that not that we took them for granted, but I think we appreciate them. And I know that I certainly am going to appreciate them more. Oh, absolutely. We get back yeah. to full capacity in, in these stadiums and arenas and, uh, and, and, and ballparks everywhere. I just can't wait to get back to that point. And I also think that's why, you know, when you talk about normal, um, I've talked to a few people, a few Hurricanes fans who were at the game. Uh, against Detroit when they let mm-hmm. uh, the fans back in and I said how you know how was it you know because there's there's you're going to notice that it's only right. 15 percent people in a stadium that holds 18,000 plus and I said it was a little bit a few people told me it was a little bit weird at first because you're used to a different kind of experience but once you got to the seat and we're watching the game you they said I, I got to feel normal again. I got to to feel like I, you know, all this other stuff is is gone. I was just watching a game again the way that I wanted to. So well, that's like UNC Duke this weekend. It was a little yeah. more like back to normal. Yeah, because you yeah. had some people there, right? Like an empty Cameron for Duke yeah. UNC is just weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like you're you're. It's funny. I was watching that. And that I'm like that. This feels like a scrimmage. This doesn't feel like yeah. a real game. The, the, the game at Cameron, and then the game, you know, at the Smith Center. I'm like, all right, this is a little closer to it. You know, you can yeah. you can pick up you can pick up the fan. The funniest thing is when it's crowded, you can't really hear the fans all that well. Right. <laughs> but when it's like you know three thousand, two thousand, you can start to hear individuals who really get enthusiastic. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, like you said, they're giving you a run for your job, Mike. <laughs> everybody is Mike. Everybody, um, but yeah, as you get you get a little bit more of, of of that feel of okay, this is what it's supposed to feel like. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's not and not that the athletes uh, at, at any level were going through the motions, but it's it's one of those those feelings. So about. Uh, 2000 is when the you know I grew up a Devils fan. I grew up right by the arena, and they had those battles those with the Canes in the early 2000s. Those just knockdown, drag out, brutal battles. And I remember saying, "Wow, these fans! They are passionate. Like I love the tailgate, especially the Devils at the time in the Meadowlands. I mean, that they only drew during the playoffs and." Seeing the Caniacs at that, I always said, wow, like this is, this is impressive. And to see, you know, where we're at today, I, I know it's only at 15%, but I was having this conversation the other day with a, a diehard fan. And I said, you know, I wonder if this is an opportunity with just for the time being with the smaller crowds to introduce some newer people to the game and a smaller basis, you know, to, to give, get that warm up, that intro opportunity. What do you think about that? 
I think that that would be a way. But for me, I think for hockey, maybe more so than any of the other sports, Mm -hmm. hockey is the one where when you go in and it is a full arena, a full stadium, there is there is way more that goes on with that game and, and everything seems bigger. The players seem faster. The hits seem harder. The goals seem more fantastic. And, you know, when it's, it's for me, for hockey, that's the sport, you know, a big goal is scored, the team you're there to cheer for and you're high five and everybody in the section, not saying that, you know, same as in, in a, in a ball game when somebody hits a home run, you know, or, you know, for, for football, when your team throws a, you know, a, a Hail Mary. And of course, now I think I'm only referring to Aaron Rodgers as a bitter Viking <laughs> fan. But, you know, <laughs> you know, a big, a big play happens there. But hockey, I think, um, especially because for new fans, you, you kind of look for cues for what mm-hmm. to cheer for in, in that sport. So if you're with your friends, I think it, it allows more teaching moments. Like if, if you're going to bring somebody and introduce them to the game, I think this is where it would be cool. And that's a great point. You go with a friend who's a big hockey fan and you bring somebody who doesn't know the game. And I don't think they'd be as hesitant to be like, well, what's this? Or why did that happen? Or why did that whistle blow? Or why did that guy do that? Whereas maybe you don't want to say that around other people and have people think, oh, well, why are right, you here? Right. Don't know the game? So I, I can see a huge plus for that. But I think that you miss out on the, the oh, real yeah. vibe of having everybody there. We're, you know, for, for baseball and, and please, people who are tuning into this don't get this wrong there is nothing better for me than to have a section to myself sitting out in the sun where i can have a nice <laughs> beverage and just enjoy the game <laughs> you know it's a little baseball is a little bit more leisurely if we will <laughs> so, yes <laughs> uh, but yeah that's i i think that's the the only thing that would be missing because i i think for people who aren't hockey fans mike that when they go into the building around other hockey fans that's when they can do the, okay, I get it now. All right. I, I get why these people love this sport and why they're so into it. Um, and that's, uh, for me, uh, personally, I'll, I'll put that as, as NASCAR. Uh, I had never, never been to a NASCAR race until I moved to Richmond, Virginia. I had to cover it. I didn't go as a fan. Um, but you know, NASCAR to me, you can put all the stereotypes in there that you want, you know, you're driving fast and making a left and, then when you get when you get there and you see it and you're like these guys are going 140 plus miles an hour and there is about an inch and a half from bumper to bumper and you're like all right this is completely different i get it now you get to see the pit crew it, and it was a absolutely full racetrack at at RIR and i'm like all right i get it i i I get it now. I, I had to be here to understand it. And I think that's part of that's, but that's part of the sports experience too. You, you, you've right. got to go for people who say they don't like a sport or don't, you know, don't like this or that. I think they have to go to it. And then I think for the people who go to it when it's gone, that's why they miss it so much because it becomes part of their DNA. It becomes part of, you know, if, if you're working a job that, uh, it's, you know, it's not your favorite thing in the world to do. It's your escape to get away from that. And I mm-hmm. totally understand that. And, and uh, while I see your point, I, I just still think that hockey is that one venue where you bring people in. And when everybody's screaming and going crazy, the, the folks who have never been around it before can walk out of it and go, like, all right. Okay. I, oh yeah. I mean, going to a game here in Raleigh is when during normal times is something 
to be seen. I mean, it is, it is an event and, uh, you know, the fan base is as diehard as I've ever seen. Oh yeah. So it's, it's really neat. I just wanted to end on this, you know, with the way the team's playing and we were having these conversations, me and some other folks the other day, how awesome would it be for the Canes to be going for a cup run with a packed arena to kiss off to COVID and the reopening? <laughs> oh, well, uh, you, you've, you've just got me fired up. <laughs> I, would, I would absolutely love it because one of the things that, you know, the questions that I was getting a lot, and I'm sure you get this a lot, uh, you know, what's opening or what does the delay of this opening or this opening sooner? What does this mean towards this bottom line or this future? Or where are we headed? Uh, I, from the day that they announced that the season was going to start up until um, probably three minutes before I came on here with you, people have asked me how many fans are going to be allowed in the arena? When are they going to be right. allowed? Where you go from there? And um, might have been joking about the three minutes before I jumped on with you. But, uh, you know, people, when can I get in? When, what's going to happen? I'm like, you know, the the tough part for all of this is it's not the team's decision. It's not even the league's decision. You know, we're, you're talking politics now and, and governments are, are involved with it. But the fact that we've gotten to 15, uh, the fact that, you know, reading the tea leaves that by May, you know, that there could be a vaccine for every adult. You know, if, if they they want to get it, um, hopefully things continue to trend down. Um, again, I'm not, I am not a, a doctor, so I can't, you know, I can't, I, I hate. You didn't I get your Twitter P, uh, MD in epidemiology? Oh, uh, I'm, I'm sure I might have at some point in time, but I, I've let the, I've let the, uh, I've let it lapse as far as renewing it. Uh, there, was, there was a time, but it, it's if we could get to like even 50 or 60% by May or June, that's going to feel like a, a full house. So yeah, I, I think it would be great. And, and this team, this team, Mike is very good here in, in Carolina, you know, the way that they're built uh, that, you know, there were all these questions about them coming into the season. I think they've answered every question from goaltending to, you know, scoring to their youth to the, uh, there's never really a question on, on the blue line, but, any question that they've had, they have checked the box with a resounding, we're good. Um, so now it's, you know, they've got Tampa in their division, which might make life a little bit uh, difficult to try to win the thing because uh, they're, they're really good. But um, I think that if there will be one team that benefits from having fans in the stands for a playoff run more than any team in the National Hockey League, and it's not lip service. It, it will be Carolina mm-hmm. uh, because that that first playoff game after that nine year drought against Washington two years ago, that was the definition of this fan base is going to will the team to win that game. And they came back down two nothing against Washington, and they blew their doors off. You know the, the way that they played the game. So uh, I, I I think that to have fans in the arena, Mike. Yeah, that would be so special, and uh, I'm I'm all for I'm all for putting uh, 2020 and what we've lived through so far through 2021. Put that in the rearview mirror as far as we possibly can, and uh, 
get a, a little bit of, of, of normalcy back. And, and every day, it seems like we're getting an inch closer to that. So, uh, you know, we're at 15%. Hopefully, it'll be 25, you know, a little bit further down the road, and then we can open this thing up and, and all enjoy each other's company again. Yeah, and like always remind folks, like with polio, right? What did it take them? 13 years or something to develop a vaccine? And we've developed things in record time. Like, yeah. it's coming. Months, roughly, yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, I mean, it's coming. And there, there's even talk right now that the benefits, the dividends of this mRNA technology, now they're developing malaria drugs and, you know, things. I th- I'm with you. I think it would be really special. I think it's it's coming, um, and I can't wait to see it. Um, I'm so bullish on the fact of the reopening that I've got my Disney trip booked. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, for, it, for the end it, of the year, but you know, I, I really think things are headed in a in a positive direction. It doesn't hurt, right? That the governor is a huge Canes fan, right? <laughs> that that helps. That helps a lot. That uh, Roy Cooper is a huge Caniac, which is a good deal for us. And it's funny, I'm. With you, when you talk about being bullish on the future, um, my wife and I uh, will go through all of the processes to make sure that uh, we are safe when we travel and to get there. But we're the way things are going. We're like you. We have started to didn't do it last year. We're starting to plan a trip to go someplace. And uh, it's after the Stanley Cup final. I'll just leave it at that. So that, that's uh, that people. I love it. People, that's where we're at. So that's awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Mike, for joining us. This was just a great conversation, and I love your optimism. And uh, go Kings, Mike. Thanks so much for having me. Anytime you want me back, please let me know. You got it. Thanks for joining us today. To continue the conversation, visit us at our blog, financial-recon.com. Appearances do not constitute endorsement of flagship wealth management group, LPL Financial, or any other entity discussed in this program. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. This information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax or legal advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific situation with a qualified tax or legal advisor. Mike Maniscalco and the Carolina Hurricanes are not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial and Flagship Wealth Management Group.